And we started off here in Galatians chapter 5. I keep going back to that. You guys are probably sick of it by now. Maybe you haven't memorized. That'd be great, right? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So if you remember when we read through this whole passage here in Galatians chapter 5 that, you know, the disciples that were in this area, the Jewish Christians, they had Gentile Christians, and they're going back and forth about how much of the law do I have to follow and what do I need to do? And he's saying, look, there's no law if you're walking by the Spirit. And if you're walking by the Spirit, you don't have to wonder, should I murder, should I not murder, right? Because if I'm walking in love, if I'm walking in self-control, then, then I won't have to worry about which of the laws I have to follow because we're only saved by believing in Jesus, not by following the law. So this was a big concern for the Jewish Christians because they were raised with the law. And so as Paul is trying to explain it to them as a group, he's saying, look, when you accept Jesus and you believe in him, the Holy Spirit fills you, and these fruits you begin to see are evident in your life. So now we've talked about this. I can be saved and still be struggling with sin. Most of us are, all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. And I still go to heaven when I die. And when I sin here on earth, I have earthly consequences for that sin, right? If I'm lying all the time, if I'm, um, you know, being deceptive, if I'm doing all these different things, the consequences of that, that is still going to affect me while I'm here on earth. But he was, he said so many different places that when you walk in these fruits, that people can see it. It's very evident. They know that you are a disciple. So we see this here. He describes this walking in this love and in many different places and the fruits of the Spirit, that you will know them by their fruits. So let's just take a second here. And on the cards we've been handing out, it shows us the original Greek definitions. We've been looking at those. So in love here in this passage, it says it's sacrificial and unmerited deeds to help a needy person. Unmerited deeds. So a merited deed would be something that was expected. Unmerited means there was no reason for me to do it other than I did it out of my free will choice, right? So like if I work at the hospital and somebody comes into the ER and it's my job to take their temperature, that's merited. I'm being paid to do that. I'm supposed to do that. But if I'm walking down the sidewalk and I see somebody fall down and I rush over and I take their pulse and I call 911, that's unmerited. I didn't have to do that. I'm not being paid to do that. So when you're loving somebody, it's not out of obligation, not that this type of love that we're talking about here. And we know there's a difference between conditional love and unconditional love, right? Well, I'll love you if you're good to me, right? That's conditional love. I'll react because you're reacting. Most of us do that like at work. Or, you know, in the supermarket, somebody's polite, opens a door for you. You might say something nice to them. Oh, thank you. Um, unconditional love would be doing something for somebody that isn't expected, that there's no conditions attached. There's no reason to do it. Okay? So Jesus had told us about love and how he wanted us to walk in this love. We see that in John chapter 13, starting in verse 34. He says... John chapter 14, verse, oh, there isn't a verse 34. Wait a minute, I'm in the wrong chapter, sorry. A new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. 
so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciple if you love one another. Now, here in modern-day America, uh, we see lots of people loving and being kind, and we don't assume they're Christian, right? They could be Buddhist, they could be Muslim, they could be just, they could be an atheist. We have been raised in a Judeo-Christian society, and for so long, volunteerism and being kind and being loving have, we've seen in media, we've seen in movies, we've had presidents get up like Kennedy and say, you know, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country, right? So we have had lived in a society where loving somebody and being kind to somebody doesn't necessarily mean like, oh, wow, they're a Christian. But you have to understand when Jesus said this, he was not living in America and he did not have JFK as a leader. No, he had like Herod and um, Pontius Pilate and some of these guys where it was, you know, dog eat dog. All right. You've got the Romans that are taking over the world, the known world at that point. And their philosophy is if you have a baby and it's deformed, you throw it in a heap and let the dogs eat it. We don't, we don't, if you have... Um, an orphan, if, if your brother-in-law dies and then his wife died in childbirth, you take that child and you go throw it out because you don't want to have one more f- mouth to feed. It's not yours, right? And so literally as Christianity began to go and Jesus came on the scene and he begins talking to people about love and walking in love, things began to change. All of a sudden, orphanages became a thing. They weren't run by the Romans. They weren't run by those that followed Zeus, they were run by the Christians. All of a sudden, people began to dedicate their life to this this thought that I need to love. A new commandment I give you, love one another. We see them talk about true religion is taking care of orphans and widows. Why would they make that a, a thing for Christianity? Because nobody else would do it. When your son died and you were a widow, there was nobody else left to take care of you. And the women would be cast off. And you'd be lucky if you could be a slave in a generous house where they let you have shelter. If you were an orphan and there were, you know, the, you, were, you didn't have anybody take care of you. Most of those children died. And so all of a sudden now, Christianity comes on the scene and Jesus is saying, if people look around and see that you're loving, unmerited, right? It's not merited. You're not just loving your own children because one day you're going to be old and they're the only ones that are going to take care of you. But you're loving your neighbor's kids. You're taking in orphans. You're taking care of a widow that might be down the street. They're going to know you're a Christian because nobody else is doing that. So how does that affect us today when we live in a society where I don't have to do that to prove I'm a Christian, right? We know that our salvation comes from believing in Jesus, but he also wants us to take that love that God's given us and use it for others. Now, we've talked about this with the fruits of the Spirit. We've said these fruits are things that we choose to do, right? We choose to do these things. When we look back here at, um, let's see here, kindness, doing thoughtful things for others, right? Or goodness, um, you know, showing generosity to others. And now all of a sudden here we are with love, you know, unmerited deeds to help a needy person. These are all verbs. These are all action words. And it's a choice for us to live beyond just knowing I'm saved, I'm going to heaven when I die, and I'm going to have hell here while I'm on earth. But instead, I'm going to allow God's spirit to be in me, 
and I'm going to choose to be kind and to think about how can I help this person, thoughtful deeds for others, right? I'm going to choose to have goodness in me, and I'm going to show generosity. So even though we live in a society that um, it's very socially acceptable, we like to put it on social media, oh, look, I helped, whatever, you know, we can still choose to do that, not because society sees us doing that, but because Christ has called us to that. I love how it's a new commandment I give you to love one another as I have loved you. We have to ask ourselves, how did Christ love people? I mean, think about that for a moment. You know, it's, he's got like talking to the woman at the well who, who the society has cast off. She's coming at noon to get water because nobody else will talk to her. She's so ashamed. He says to her, look, I know you've been married five times. I know you're living with a guy. But yet, if you really knew who I was, I'd give you living water. I'm the Messiah that you speak of. So he's really going out of his way to love everybody, especially those who have been unloved. Think about Zacchaeus. It says Zacchaeus was a wee little man, right? That's part of the song. But it says that he was a short man, so he had climbed up into a tree to watch when Jesus entered a city one day. And Jesus sees him up there and he says, Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house today for a meal. And he goes to Zacchaeus' house and we learn from the story that Zacchaeus is a tax collector. Now, we're so used to hearing that. We think of the IRS and we think, well, nobody likes paying taxes. But, uh, I mean, if I had my neighbor who was a tax collector, you know, an IRS guy, I wouldn't hate him. But, again, we forget about what was going on in society. You have a foreign country come in and say you can no longer have your own government and you will have to send us taxes that we get sent over here. And because we don't have computers, we can't figure out who's got wealth, we're going to pay one of the local guys to snitch on y'all and tell us who's really got money. So Zacchaeus would have been a Jewish man that decided to be a tax collector for the Romans. Okay, imagine this. Korea goes bananas, nukes all of our major cities, and sends the Korean army into to, take over the state of Michigan, and your neighbor goes and works for the Korean, Koreans to say, hey, this guy, he's, got, he's been hoarding potatoes, and they come in, and they take half of his potatoes or all of his potatoes for their soldiers, and then that guy goes over here and says, hey, this person over here, they, he, he's a gun collector. I know he's got guns, and that army comes in and takes all his guns away. Hey, this person over here, all the, and all of a sudden, one of your neighbors begins telling the Korean army who has what? As hard as it would be as a Christian, I think most of us would be really pissed at this guy. Wouldn't you? I'd be pretty mad. And so you've got a guy who is working for the Romans, and he gets a commission on however many things, and if you don't give him the money, he can come in with the Roman soldiers and take your money. And Jesus says, I'm going to go to his house and hang out with him. That's how he loved. He loved the people that nobody else loved. And, of course, he loved general people, right, as well. He says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. So as we kind of go forward in life and asking ourselves, do I love unconditionally? Do I love without merit, without any reason? Do I just love this person? Or do I love the people that love me, right? Maybe you got a coworker that does not deserve your love. 
that does not, you know, they've got a need all of a sudden, they're needy, and you're thinking like, well, wouldn't it be nice if you would have helped me out when I was selling, you know, my kid's fundraiser? You didn't buy anything for me, and now all of a sudden you want me to help you out? See, true unconditional love would help them out even though they didn't help you, right? Why do we do this? Because when we show them love when they don't deserve it, all of a sudden it begins to open their eyes. There's something different about that person. See, the Jewish people had this rule, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. What did that mean? Hey, if, we're hel- if I go over to my neighbor's house and I'm helping out and, and he swings his axe and something comes off and it pokes my eye out, I'm allowed to go poke his eye out. And that'll make everybody in town be more careful about not poking somebody's eye out. If you break my arm, I can break your arm. If you kill my ox, I get to take one of your ox. And all of a sudden now Jesus comes along and he's saying, look, I want you to love them. Regardless if they deserve it, if they, if they need to get it, right? And that's hard. So how do we do this, right? How do we love somebody? Number one, you have to choose to walk a life of love. With all these fruits, you have to choose to be kind when you don't want to be kind. You have to choose to have peace when everything around you is in chaos and to shift your focus off your problems and onto God. You have to choose love, and that's so hard. Number two, you have to say, what is the needs around me? Am I meeting the needs in my family? Let's start there, right? Am I loving unconditionally my family? You know? Sometimes we have kids that you can just tell something's not quite right. You've got to ask yourself, right? I teach some parenting classes, and I always tell parents, besides keeping them safe, right? If you look at, was it Piaget's um, hierarchy of, no, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? The number one is safety. Are you safe? Um, you have your basics. You have roof. You have food. You have water. But the number three is love. Most of us, you know, how do I love Mary? Well, people need to be loved in five different ways. If you're unfamiliar with this, you can look up Gary Chapman's work on this and, you know, telling them you love them, um, buying them gifts, spending quality time, doing service. There's, there's all these five different ways you can love people. And sometimes you've got to look around and say, whose needs are not being met? Can I take some time out of my week to maybe take this one kid take them shopping and make sure they got what they need for school that's starting up. Or maybe I got to, you know, spend some time with this kid or my spouse and, and just, you know, sit with them and, and spend some time doing something with them. So you have to look around and see what are the needs. But then sometimes our needs of our family are doing great, but we have to say, what's the needs in my community, right? What's the needs in my church? What's the needs at work? And then this is the hard part, number three, because a lot of times we see the needs. I always say most people want to help. They just don't even know what to do or how to help. Number three is what can I sacrifice to fulfill that need to help them? That's what we don't like. We don't want to sacrifice. We don't want to sacrifice our time. We don't want to sacrifice our money. We don't want to sacrifice maybe our image. I don't want to hang out with this person. What if somebody sees me, right? What if somebody, what if somebody knows I, what's going to happen at work? Is I'm going to help this person? Then everyone's going to come and ask to borrow money. I'm going to sacrifice my reputation. But that's what the Greek word meant for that. Love, right? Sacrificial. When I'm loving somebody, I'm being sacrificial in how I'm meeting their needs. I mean, Jesus would talk about this. He said, look at, look at, these people are giving in the offering, right? They'd have a little box. 
And the rich men would come put big bags in. And then the widow came by and put in two pennies, right, two mites. I think it was actually less than a penny, but we'll say two pennies for us to understand. And he says, she gave more than all everybody else. Well, why did she give more when he gave a whole bag full of gold? Because she gave out of her need. That was all she had. She sacrificed something that she had to give, right? We don't like to sacrifice. <laughs> I mean, we'll give if it's convenient, right? We'll come to church if it's convenient. We will volunteer if it's convenient. We will give money if it's convenient. Well, I can, can I get a tax receipt? Well, if I can't get a tax receipt, right? And I'm not saying we shouldn't take advantage of our government and how we can have that, right? You got to get tax receipts every year. I'm just saying, right? In our modern day world, this is some of the things that we think about, isn't it? That's sacrificial. And then number four is do it whether you feel like it or not. Now, obviously, I've taken lots of time to talk about boundaries and making sure it's not somebody that's abusing you or taking advantage of you. But I have found that there's more than enough need. If I go to a nonprofit in town and I start volunteering and doing something and I really feel like, eh, I got some discernment here, something's off, I, I don't feel good about helping here, I tell you what, there's 30 other organizations I can go help, right? You know, so it's not like, well, I'm, I got to help everybody. No, God will call you to something. I have to tell our volunteers, whatever's bothering you, whatever you're coming up to me and complaining about, that's probably your calling, right? If, if, the, if the paint or the, um, you know, I, when we first got the building, people would come to me like, man, Pastor Mary, Pastor Mary, you know, you really should paint the floors in the basement, in the bathroom. And I'd be like, I didn't even realize the floors in the basement need to be painted. Do you like painting? Well, yeah, 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 I'll do it. All right, you know, and I'd go buy a gallon of paint, give it to him, let him do it. What was that? You're, you're seeing the need. See, God doesn't show all of us the need. For some of you, you see the need with the, with the children, right? For some of you, you see the need for those that are homebound. For some of you, you see the need for, you know, whatever, right? The music, music, you see that need because that's your calling, you know, if we said, I got to take care of every need I, you know, ever encounter there is, we, we wouldn't be able to do it. But when you love, when you walk with the Holy Spirit in you and you just have love, number one, you need to pray the Lord shows you the need in your own house, right? Because it starts there, right? I don't want you down here five hours every week volunteering if you don't have any time to be at home with your spouse or with your kids, right? You want to be able to, like, let that be your first church, your first ministries to make sure they're doing well. And then, right, out of the excess of your time, and sometimes you have to sacrifice. I'm not going to say that I've never left my family eating dinner by themselves and I've been down here, or down at the homeless shelter, or down in the community doing something, or at the hospital visiting somebody. But I make sure it's not every night, right? I sacrifice one or two nights a week to go do, take care of things, but then I also make sure I'm home. But... You take care of your family, and then you begin to look at your church family. So many Bible verses that talk about that, about, you know, making sure your church family, that you take care of them. And then, as a church, we can cooperate together with all of our talents and our abilities, and we can sacrifice what we can, and then we help the community. Like, one of the things we've always done is had a percentage of our offerings that we use just for outreach, right? We say, okay, the church stuff that we do 
that's for our church family, but if we take a percentage of what we have and we say it's just for outreach, then that gives us the ability to do the block parties or to go into the community and do different things or to deliver and do outreach as well. So I'm going to do those four things again. How do we love? Number one, it's a choice. You've got to just make a choice. I'm going, to, I'm going to walk in these fruits of the Spirit. I'm going to take these cards home. And maybe once a week, I'm going to pull one of them out, put it on my mirror, and say, today I'm going to be kind. Today I'm going to walk in love, right? Today I'm going to do this. And then if you're going to walk in love, you have to say, how do I help a needy person around me? Who's needy? You know, I got I to see what are the needs and how am I going to be able to help? What can I sacrifice to help them make that need, to fulfill that need? And then I'm going to do it whether I feel like it or not, because I'll be honest with you. You probably all got dressed this morning, whether you felt like it or not. Nobody showed up here naked. You all put your shoes on, whether you felt like it or not, right? I don't see anybody barefoot. You all brushed your teeth, whether you felt like it or not. You all went to work this week, or you've gone to work, whether you felt like it or not. We do a lot of things we don't want to do because we know it's right. But then when it comes to God, we say, eh, right? Like, let's give him that same respect and saying, I'm going to do what I know needs to be done. Now, I love this passage here about loving others. It's in, it's in Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 9. It says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. I mean, that's hard. That's why, it's a, you know, that's why we're told to do it. We're not, you know, there's nowhere in the Bible where it says, I'm trying to think of something specifically, right, to wipe your butt after you go to the bathroom, right? Because we all know we need to do that. We, we do that, right? But, you know, the things that are hard for us to do, the things that don't come natural, God, you know, the, the instructions are there. That's wisdom there. I mean, when your kids are little, you tell them, wait your turn. That doesn't come natural. Have you ever seen, like, third world countries or places where all of a sudden, like, they're trying to get on buses and we're just mobs and people are crushed? Why? Because no one taught them. Like, you wait in lines. You come to certain parts of the world and they've been taught that from little children on. You see people waiting in lines. You see people taking the time helping an elderly person get on. Why? Because they've been taught that. That doesn't come natural. In many societies, that doesn't happen. I mean, I like to read, like, different things. Like, what do what do outsiders think of America? And one of the things they always say is how polite they can be, right? And I know most of us think, oh, Americans aren't polite. We should be nicer. But you go to some of these other countries where they're not, then you'll understand why they think that we're being polite. But it must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Cling to what is good. That's hard. It's hard. We want to be in a place where Everything is perfect, where all of our needs are met. You know, we want it to be shiny. And what we need sometimes is to say, hey, I'm going to do what is sincere, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love what is sincere. I'm going to hate what is evil. I'm going to cling to what is good. And I'm going to be devoted to one another in love. It's hard to devote yourself to something that you feel like, well, but what am I getting back from it? right? But see, that's why we say love it has unmerited. It's unmerited. It's unconditional. You're not doing it because you're getting something back. You're doing it because it's what's right. Because you're honoring what God said to do. Jesus said, this is a new commandment. So 
let's really look at this. Because what happens is I can get up here and I can preach for 45 minutes about fruit of the Spirit is love. This is what the Greek word meant, right? Unmerited favor. It's sacrificial. You're doing something, right, that is going to cost you something. You're doing it because it's what's right. And there's going to be that little voice in your head. Satan always is trying to, to talk to you. If you didn't know this, if you ever come into the counseling room with me and spend time with me, you're going to learn this. All the thoughts that are in your head are not yours, right? Satan is trying to whisper in your ear over here. God is trying to encourage you over here. And then you got your own analytical brain trying to calculate what to do, right? So what are some things that Satan is going to say? What if they use me, right? I'm going to give this unconditional sacrificial love to this organizational need or to my church family's need or to my children's need, and they're just using me. They don't ever love me back. They don't ever help me back. Number one, I'll say, especially if it's your family, have you asked? I mean, the Bible's pretty clear. You have not because you ask not, right? At least in a family unit, like, don't be coming into my office. Well, you might do it anyway. It's okay. You can come. But I'm telling you right now, if you come into my office and you say, my children didn't get me anything for Mother's Day. I'm going to ask you right up front. Did you tell them you wanted something for Mother's Day? Did you tell them you were hoping to have rose bushes for Mother's Day? Did you tell your husband to tell the kids to go get you rose bushes? Well, no, they should know. I was hinting around I wanted roses. You have not because you asked not. Communication is number one, right? When it's a family unit and, and it's something like that, you need to ask them. But when it's something bigger, right, like the church or the community or a coworker, Satan will say to you, what if they're using you, right? What if I need that money? Okay, here God's asking me to be sacrificial. I'm going to tithe 10% this week. I'm going to give it to God. I'm going I'm to, you know, do this, again, sacrificial. So I could have saved that 10% and gone to Hawaii for Christmas this year. But instead, you know, I, I know they've got a need. I know they've got a thing I'm going to give. Or maybe I'm going to sponsor the little league team and give them new uniforms, right? I'm going to love. There's this unmerited need. I'm going to go fulfill it. What if I need that money? So let's talk about this. What is Satan trying to do? He's trying to put fear in you. So many times I've heard people say the opposite of love is hate. But the more I've spent studying God's word, the more I've spent doing counseling with people, the more I've learned when we know the scripture, I'm about to read it here in a second. God is love, okay? So if God is love, this meeting our needs when we don't deserve it, which is how he treats us. That's why he sent Jesus, because he's love. And then the opposite of him is, you know, Satan. Is Satan really full of hate? Or do the people that walk in my office that have literally been Satan worshipers or been in witchcraft or have done these different things, is, are they full of hate when they come in? Some of them might be, but most of the time it's fear. I'll just be real with you. It's fear. And that's what I think Satan whispers in our ears most of the time. Now, some of us, you know, he's able to pull hate into there because we get really mad. If we get really mad about something, then you might hate him. But most of the time, what controls us and what stops us from doing what's right is fear. Well, if I do this, they're going to take advantage of me. If I do this, I won't have it for me. And it's I'm afraid. I'm afraid of what they're going to think about me. I'm afraid of what they're going to say about me. I don't want to be wrong because I'm afraid. I'm afraid. And a lot of that, we can go back to our childhood. But most of the time, it's just plain old fear. 
So what does the Bible talk about with love and fear? And there's this great passage here. It's in 1 John chapter 4. I'm going to read a little bit because I believe God's word explains this much better than I could ever. So it's 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed us his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another... God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him, and he is in us. He has given us his spirit, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Now, I really like this passage. It goes on. I mean, you, you can read First John tonight in probably 20 minutes. It's just four little chapters. But... I love how he's trying to explain to us love. God is love. And because love is sacrificially meeting our needs, we are needy people. He's sending Jesus. And that goes all the way back to salvation. He he wants to be in communion with us. And because we sin, we feel ashamed. So he sends Jesus. We're washed in the blood. As a sinner, I can stand before God and say, I'm still in iniquity. I'm still dealing with struggles. I'm not perfect in this area. But because Jesus died on the cross, I'm, I'm cleansed. I can stand before God. Okay, he says that the fear comes because there's this fear of punishment. But when I know that God loves me, I know there is no punishment. I don't have to fear punishment. I could get up here and tell you all a lie right now and have no fear that I'm going to be punished for that in heaven because Jesus took the punishment on the cross. Now I might have an earthly consequence of none of y'all trusting me. Like, why did she just say that? I mean, she must be off. Like, why is she lying to us, right? There might be an earthly consequence, but I don't have to worry about punishment from God, okay? So love means that he is always going to be there for me. So all of a sudden, when the school says we need dessert, Mary, for 110 kids for band camp, right? This might not have happened to me last week. And I'm like, what do you mean you need dessert for 110 kids? I signed up to bring fruit 
I will go to the store and I will buy 110 bananas, but I don't want to be in charge of dessert. Have you ever seen me bake my cookies? They're usually rock hard or they're burnt. Okay? But there's a need. And I'm going to sign up and I'm going to do that. And I'm going to pray because I'm, I'm like the little girl in the corner with the firemen coming. And I'm over here screaming, here I am. Come save me. <sighs> Give me that gas mask. You can hold your breath. Carry me out of here. Seriously, please. It's getting hot in here. Right? So I started praying this week. I'm like, Lord Jesus, I don't know about this dessert. Like, what am I supposed to get? Like, I got Thursday. Darn it. I wish I would have picked the first day. Because then you could bring whatever, and it won't be like they've had that 20 times. So I thought, okay, I'll just get cookies. Well, then all of a sudden, by like Wednesday, the message is coming out. We've been getting a lot of cookies. No more cookies. Please don't bring us any more cookies. Maybe cupcakes. And I thought, oh, darn it. They already got all these cookies. So then I drop them off that, more, that afternoon, and I saw somebody brought cupcakes. I'm like, darn it, I can't bring cupcakes tomorrow. No, what am I going to do? Right? And I'm praying. So I walk through the store. And this is such a silly example, but hear me out. And I see donuts are on sale. Buy one box, get the second box free. I'm like, Lord, should I get them donuts? I walk by that display. I'm looking. I come back to the donuts, and I buy a ton of donuts. I mean, the people at the register probably thought, what in the world? I pretty much bought the entire display. But all these donuts, I send them in with my son. Now, the vain part of me that is curious and wants to know is thinking, I wonder when she sends all those messages out if she'll say anything about the donuts. And I thought, that's silly. People have been donating food all week. Who's, who's going to do that, right? And all of a sudden, a message comes through with, we have lots of containers that have been left this week. Oh, and Mrs. Rathke, everyone loved the donuts. Thank you for bringing in donuts. Okay. Now, I decided to love the band camp this week and meet a need an unmerited need. There's nothing they give me other than teaching my children how to play instruments for me to meet that need. But it was a sacrifice because I am not a baker to go and try to figure out what to bring them, right, to go get them a dessert. And I prayed, and I said, Lord, you love me. Give me favor. Help me. Show me which ones to get, right, and let me know that they liked it. Now, that seems really simple. But here's the thing. Satan is going to work on us, and he's going to use fear. And when we have this fear of what if they're going to use me, what if I need that money, the perfect love that's going to help us out of that fear is not the love in this person. I'm going to trust that this person is going to take care of me then when I have a need. No. The Bible is very clear about don't trust other men, mankind. Trust in God. Okay? So... What the perfect love says, if I am going to sacrifice something that I think I need for myself, I'm going to give it, God will be my rewarder. It says, when you give, he will reward you. When I give extra hours at work, work isn't going to reward me, but God will see my integrity and my character, and God will reward me. When I go and I volunteer and give extra hours for the community, the community is not going to do anything for me. But God will see that. Because of this perfect love, because I'm trusting in him, he will make sure that all of my needs are met. When Jesus was pointing out that widow and say she gave out of her need, do you think that one of those rich guys who threw a bag of coins in there out of excess went and took care of that widow that day? No. But Jesus knew. Jesus saw. It was God 
that took care of her needs. So this love, this perfect love that drives out the fear when we're going to be sacrificial and giving to the needy person is from God. We're trusting that God will take care of us even when we're doing something we don't feel like doing. Even when we're choosing to go out of our way to take care of something, right? There's, there's, uh, there's so many places you could be here in Bay City. Why are you here? Because you see our vision. You see our heart. You see the need that we are meeting in the community. God is going to bless you for that. God is going to be the one that takes care of your needs for being here. I love this. In verse 16, And so we know and we rely on the love God has for us. I know that God loves me, and I have to rely on his love for me to meet my needs as I'm going to be sacrificial here on the earth and meet the needs of others. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. See, the perfect love is God's love for us. My love's not perfect. I mean, I'm going to try. I try. I mean, I was trying to get them kids donuts, but that's not perfect love. That was out of obligation in a sense, right? Because I'm going to help out. But perfect love is God's love to drive out the fear. Don't worry, Mary. Don't be afraid. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. How are we made perfect in love? Is when we can sacrificially give and trust in him to help us. So what, when those voices come, and that's fear, 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 fear. Number one, we have to resist the devil and he will flee. We have to acknowledge it. We have to see it. Say, I'm not going to be afraid, Satan. God is going to supply all my needs. God is going to help me. It's okay that I'm going to work extra this week, even though my boss maybe isn't going to acknowledge it or even know about it. God knows about it. There was, there was a place here in town. I've never told anybody, so you're all hearing something. There was a place here in town where a person had a business. And I remember walking in one day, and I said, why is the lobby always so dirty? And the business person said, the owner of the building doesn't pay for anybody to come clean it. And I, I'll be honest with you. I'm thinking, if my office was in here, I would clean the lobby because your customers are having to walk through here. And I said something like, well, why don't you vacuum? I'm not going to do it for the business owner. You know what I did? And I've never told anybody this before, and I'm probably going to lose my reward in heaven, and that's okay, because this is a perfect example. I waited till that business person was on vacation, and I went down there with a freaking vacuum cleaner, and I vacuumed their lobby. Nobody saw me. Nobody knew. But you know what? When I would go into that business, and when every other clients would go into that business, that lobby was clean. That, my friend, is sacrificial love. That was doing something that was right, even though I didn't have to do it, and nobody knew about it, and it took maybe an hour out of my day to load up my vacuum and go do it. But when you see a need, and you're a Christian, and there's Christ in you, and God is saying, what would you do for yourself? Do it for others. If I had a business there, I would have cleaned the lobby. So I'm going to do it for that person who's a friend, because that's where his business is, and I want to make sure the lobby is clean. We do it even if we don't feel like it, but we do it because it's right. We don't have to have fear stop us, but instead we can go to love. So if you get your card this week and you put this up, I want you to, number one, choose to walk in love. Choose to follow that. I love that here in, in John chapter 13. It's actually on the back of your card. 
A new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciple if you love one another. Walk in love. Make that choice. Look around. What is the need? Where are you most needed? Don't go to where you're most celebrated. Don't go to where you're most, you know, um, sometimes, it's, sometimes people go where they're most paid and you need to do that, but sometimes you go where you're most needed. And you got to kind of ask God and you got to show him, where's my talent? Where's my gift? Where do you want me to go to be loved? Right? And then you say, what can I sacrifice to do this? What am I willing to sacrifice? Right? Am I willing to sacrifice some time? Am I willing to sacrifice some of my talent? Am I willing to sacrifice some of my money? What am I willing to sacrifice? Some of it's just emotional energy, right? Like when I go to the hospital, I have literally gotten calls from people that say, Pastor Mary, come to the hospital and pray with me. And I'm like, I don't know who this person is. But you know what? I go because they are asking for help. Jesus would go and help people. He didn't know. He hadn't met. He didn't grow up with them. But they asked for help and he would go. And then do it, keep doing it whether you feel like it or not until you feel released by God or you're able to pass it along. Obviously, there's going to be times where people do abuse us, right? And love protects. I love this here in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, starting in verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. So if someone's dishonoring you in what you're doing, it's okay to say, okay, you know, I, I have to love as I love myself, and I'm putting myself in a position where somebody's disrespecting me constantly. God will show you a need somewhere else, right? It says, it does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects right? So there's going to be times where you put yourself in a place where you're protected, where you're safe. Don't let people abuse you, right? Like if I have one child that, uh, I need this, I need this, I need this, mom, and she's abusing that, it's like, okay, well, I'm going to love you, but I'm not going to love you with money. Maybe I'll love you in a different way, right? Or a coworker, right? If they're abusing your love, you can, you know, I can love you with kind words, but I'm not going to go out of my way to come to your house because I get there and you're not kind to me, right? So you need wisdom with love. But don't let fear stop you from loving. Can I pray for all of you? Father God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that your word shows us how to walk in that Holy Spirit guidance. We ask you to let that Holy Spirit to guide us this week in loving and sacrificially giving to those in need. And that's going to be the love that we express this week, whether it's to our family, to our community, to our church family, to our work community. You know, you, you see the need, and you know that we're seeing the need, but direct us in how we can love and how we can let others know that we are your disciples. We ask you to bless us, to give us wisdom, and we just come against that spirit of fear that tries to stop us or tries to convince us that um, we won't make it if we give too much money or we won't make it if we switch uh, things around. And Satan, you will not speak to us anymore. We bind the spirit of fear off of our lives and we cast it off in the name of Jesus.
Father God, we ask you to let the Holy Spirit voice in us be louder than the negative thoughts. And may we recognize when fear becomes on us and we can say, fear you must leave. I walk in perfect love, God's love. And God is bigger than any mistake I might make. God is bigger than any money I might give away. God is bigger than my bills. God is bigger than my situation. And God will bless me back 30, 60, and 100 fold for whatever sacrificially I give, whether it's my time, my treasure, my talents. And I'm going to trust in you, Father. So, Father God, be with us. Give us your peace. Give us your joy as you help us love. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So one last thought about loving. I will tell you this. I have some regrets in life. I'm sure you all do. I never regret giving. I never regret loving. But sometimes I regret things I didn't do that I wish I would have. So I hope you all have a wonderful week. The Blessing Shop is open. Marlene is back at the welcome desk. If you are a new visitor, there's a welcome gift back there for you. If you need any information, um, check it out. And we hope to see you all soon. God bless.